0: The fear of being laughed out of the room or being criticized or getting negative comments, there's always going to be negative comments. For me, what works is Keep in mind the purpose that you're doing it, right? Whether it's a selfish reason or the selfless reason, think about it this way. If you're going to help even one person, it's worth confronting those negative feelings about being challenged by other people or receiving negative comments. Even if you don't help a person, but you reinforce your own knowledge by teaching it, again, it's worth it. Even if you teach something that ends up to be wrong at them, like I'll try wrong, like a week later, it's, it's all wrong. You've learned as well because you've gone outside your comfort zone, you've had this experience, of failure, and now you have a chance to get up and do it again and improve. So I think there's plenty of reasons to see why you need to face this fear.
1: Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Dedicated On Air, where we bring together data experts to share their journey and impart their knowledge. This is Kate Strashny, the founder of Dedicated and the host of Dedicated On Air. Hello LinkedIn and YouTube. We are live again today. I feel like I've been going live almost every single day lately, but I'm super excited because today we have a special guest, Kirill Ermenko, who is the founder of Blue Life AI, Super Data Science, as well as Data Science Go, which hosts all these awesome data science conferences. Before we get started, I do want to ask a question for those of you who are joining us live. And the question is, if you were to ask, you know, the 3 to Five people that know you best. How do you think they would describe your brand, right? And in just a few words, what do you think your brand is in the data community or in general? Would love to hear from you. At this point, I'm going to bring Kirill into the stage. It was actually his idea to ask this question. So, hey, Kirill.
0: Hey, hey, Kate. Hey, everybody. Super excited to be here.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. We had like 400 people sign up, and really excited to get the conversation started and you know engage with the community. So. Those tuning in, feel free to ask your questions. He will answer every single question, no matter
0: how (laughs) difficult. Yeah, go ahead. Far away, far away. This is really cool. I just want to say, Kate, congrats. As we just discussed, you were the second person in the world to do these LinkedIn lives. This is is incredible. I, I think the data science community on LinkedIn is huge and really friendly. It's really cool that you're helping bring value to them.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was an exciting time going live for the first time. I believe it was a year or two ago a when the ago. Wow. program just started. Yeah, it's, it's been around for a while. Very few people actually have access, but there's a way you can go and apply to get access. You just have to show them that you've gone live before on other platforms and show the commitment that you're actually going to use the live feature.
0: Well, Sorry. you're using it really well. <laughs>
1: yes, I think I'm using it more than more than most. We do have a few comments, questions, questions. Uh, coming in. Hey, we got Air Khan. Hi,
0: Hello, everybody. Hey,
1: organizing. All right. Getting people. we got Tammy in here. Hey, Tammy.
0: Yay, Tammy.
1: So Kirill, before we get into, you know, building a data science brand, let's learn a little bit about you. Who are you? What do you do for, you know, those few of us that, you know, might not know you as well?
0: Okay. Awesome. Not a problem. So probably The first thing I'd like to say is that uh, I run the company, Super Data Science, where we teach uh, online courses and you can uh, purchase them through Udemy or find them on our platform. I also have the Super Data Science podcast, which I run weekly. I come from a background in physics and mathematics. I did a Bachelor of Physics and Mathematics. And then I did a degree in accounting and finance. And then I went to Deloitte. So I did some consulting and then I went to the industry and did data science there. So that's in a nutshell my background.
1: Okay, thanks. Yeah. I, when uh, when were you at Deloitte? I don't remember. I was having this conversation.
0: I was at Deloitte 2012 to 2014, Deloitte, Australia. Okay. Because okay. I know you also worked at Deloitte, right?
1: Yes, yes. For like eight and a half years, up until recently. So, brand, data science brands. Why is it important? Why do we need a brand in data science?
0: Okay, that's a good question. So... My comments are like my opinion and it's formed through conversations mostly with our students and people on the podcast who I've interviewed who are either our students, successful data scientists or data science influencers. And through these conversations, what I've learned is that there's two main reasons for building a brand. There's a selfish reason and there's a selfless reason. The selfish reason is that in data science, it's a field that's booming and it's not a hype field. It's going to stay, right? Data is going to stay. There's more and more data is going to keep permeating the world and it's going to be ubiquitous already ubiquitous in business matter, matter of how you use it. So there's a lot of data. There's a lot of companies hiring data scientists. There's a lot of data scientists who want to get hired or want to be data scientists or data scientists who maybe are getting into data science for the wrong reason. So building a brand in terms of selfish reason is to Make yourself stand out so the companies, the hiring managers know who to hire, know who to invite to jobs. And if you're not looking for a job right now, you never know what the situation might be in five or 10 years. So sharing your expertise, helping the world, but at the same time, selfishly building a brand to make sure people know that you're a good data scientist, you're good at what you do. Is a, I think is a great reason to be building a brand. And the second reason, the selfless reason, is to help others, right? So by building a brand, you share content, you share your thoughts, you share ideas, you share tips and tricks and hacks and things like that. You help others on the same journey. And you're doing it not only by them learning the same things that you've learned, but also by branding yourself and standing out, you act as uh, somebody who's inspiring to others. And it's always hard for people to get started. A lot of people have questions, should I get into data science or not? But by showing them your journey, your story, what you've been able to accomplish, you're know, helping them get into it. And I would highly rec- encourage, especially people in minority groups, whether it's uh, women in data science or whether it's people of color in data science, to build a brand to, because you can impact so many people who want to be in the space and need some inspiration to somebody to follow, some inspiration to get in here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I forget who, which company this was, but they ran an ad TV back when um, I used to watch TV and actually watch ads. But the slogan was, see her, be her, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, an inspirational way of thinking. Like, If you see a female or a minority person on a panel or speaking in a leadership role, then you automatically sitting in the audience can say, okay, if I can see her, I can be her. It makes it more of a reality. So absolutely agree with that. Got some interesting comments here from uh, Thomas says, how can you not know Kirill? I've completed Thanks, so many because you did." Me. Of course, oh, Abhishek says that we all know what to learn, especially when it comes to data science. Kirill and Andrew have amazing courses on different platforms. Kirill
0: long. <laughs> I love. I think it's Adlan.
1: <laughs> all right, let's see. So we know it's important. We know why we need to build a brand. But what are some challenges that people face when they start out and try to build that brand for themselves?
0: Interesting. So Kate, you and I were on a panel yesterday <laughs> for the <laughs> robot. We're speaking about these questions. So I might borrow a few of them from there and uh, some answers from there. So there's Eric, uh, Fabio, Kate, Kristen, and I were on this uh, panel. So I think some of the most prominent challenges are psychological challenges are to do with fear, fear that you don't have anything to share, fear that you're maybe not as good as others. Or fear that you will be criticized, and fear that you will get, um, you know, laughed out of the room. Uh, on the other hand, there's also imposter syndrome. That's probably where the not good as others comes in, or like you're not an expert how to share. So, probably addressing those two is is the main first step. The imposter syndrome, I would say, is the easy one. You just need to remember that you don't need to be an expert in sharing this. Like I started out, I was no, and I'm still no expert in data science. I'm probably, you know, like I. I don't know a lot of things. A lot of things that I teach, uh, I learn myself for the first time. And I love the process, right? So overcoming that fear of posterior syndrome, understanding you don't have to be an expert. Like by learning something and teaching it, you're improving your own knowledge, but you're also helping others. Because somebody who's known it for 10, 15 years might be blindsided to the challenges of a newcomer, Uh, that a newcomer faces when learning this topic. So that's imposter syndrome. Definitely don't need to be an expert. And the fear of being uh, laughed out of the room or being criticized or getting negative comments, there's always going to be negative comments. For me, what works is keep in mind the purpose that you're doing it, right? Whether it's a selfish reason or the selfless reason, think about it this way. If you're going to help even one person, it's worth confronting those negative feelings about being challenged by other people or receiving negative comments. Even if you don't help a person, but you reinforce your own knowledge by teaching it, again, it's worth it. Even if you teach something that ends up to be wrong at the end, like outright wrong, like a week later, it's, it's all wrong. You've learned as well because you've gone outside your comfort zone, you've had this experience, of failure. And now you have a chance to get up and do it again and improve. So I think there's plenty of reasons to see why you need to face this fear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as you were answering that question, people were actually asking the question of how to get over the fear. So I think that's something, uh, you know, a common theme is people are afraid to, especially in the beginning, to put themselves out there because they might be judged and because people might have opinions. But I think you, you answered it, right? If you, if you come out of it helping at least one person and you might not even know if you've helped that person because a lot of people don't actually engage in your content. I've actually gotten private messages on LinkedIn from people that say, wow, you inspired me three years ago and I did this and this. I'm like, how, what, where, when, why? i like, I've never met this person, but three years ago, somehow they were motivated or inspired by some yeah. random thing I posted because I got over the fear. And I I personally also had that fear. Um, and you have you
0: was- a very fun story you shared yesterday. Like maybe if you could repeat again today, if you don't mind. I, th- I thought I was very powerful how you did those initial steps to overcome the fear, like with small steps at a time.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the biggest fear was Somebody I know seeing my content, which is so weird because people you know or people who know you likely would like whatever you're putting out there. But that was my biggest fear. Like, what if my family sees this? And then I'm like, my family doesn't care. <laughs> I could talk about data science all day. They're just going to ignore me. But I think that the first baby step I did was posting something about my goals. And this was years ago, but I posted about the fact that I wanted to get a Tableau certification. So this was like five, six years ago, starting out in data analytics. And then a few comments, probably like three likes and two comments came in that said, Hey, you can do it. And I'm like, wow, people are nice. And then I started to post more and engage with those people and really building friendships. We're getting a lot of questions for you, man. We're going to have to... Yes, let's see.
0: Let's go rapid fire.
1: I know, I know. Let's try this. Okay, Matt Diamond, what are your thoughts on building a brand to switch industries in data science? So for example, finance to consumer products.
0: Love it. Love the question, Matt. Um, When people ask me about, for example, what do you put on your CV at the top, like your current or your role, or what do you put on your LinkedIn? Don't put the role that you're in now, put the role you want to be in. Same answer here. Like if you want to go into consumer products, amazing. seems like that's uh, driving you. That's something that inspires you. Do data science in consumer products and post about that. Then the right people will find it, the right people will pick out. That's the best way. That's a great reason to build your brand. Amazing, man. Good luck with that.
1: Yeah, I think also being where the community is, right? Even if it's all virtual and online right now, just being part of that community and getting into those discussions, in this case, in consumer products will automatically try to, you know, get you transitioning from one industry to another.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and like, look for case studies in that space, maybe make a mock data set about consumer products, or you read something, you don't have to like do a data science to then share it every single time. Sometimes you might re- read something, have an opinion about it, share that. Or like that's how I started out posting on LinkedIn. I was just looking at articles, forming an opinion, sharing an article, writing my opinion at the top. You know, that's that's a very easy way to get started as well.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, next question, Sandra. Which steps can you cor- can you recommend for someone who started to build their brand in data science? So basically. Practical tips to get
0: started. I think you had a great practical tip yesterday, and that was to actually share not just thought leadership huge uh, pieces, but actually share tips and tricks. You know, like if you learn a cool tip uh, or a trick using Tableau, you know how to do a dimension swap or a measure swap, share that. Even if it's been written about fifteen times before, you know, people the internet is huge, not everybody has uh, seen everything. Uh, or if you learn how to use Google Colab better in a certain way or how to do something in TensorFlow, share that as well. Like I think I think that's the easiest thing. Share the things that you are learning. Some of the biggest influences right now in this space, uh, look at Randy Lao, look at Fabio Vasquez, have built their brands by simply sharing things they progressively learn. You learn a new thing, you practice what they said, just share the code, everything. There are people that, again, you don't have to be an expert, so there are people at your same level who are going to find that super useful.
1: Yep, exactly. It's it's kind of like learning out loud and sharing your perspective along the way because your peers are super curious about this, right? That people look to experts to know everything, but people look to their peers to share experiences that they can actually relate to and you might actually grow your brand quicker than the experts because you're seen as a peer, you're seen as a friend and people want to grow with you.
0: So mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah.
1: All right, question here, Pew. Do you think writing small technical blogs is a step towards building a brand, even if they're not appreciated much?
0: Mm, Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Persistence is the way to building a brand. You just need to keep doing what you're doing. And for example, LinkedIn is a great platform to Share those blogs. Like before, you need to get a blog, put install WordPress or Weebly or whatever else, and then start posting. Like those days are gone. You just go on LinkedIn and you post. They have a great blogging system. You go, you can go on Medium and post a blog there. You don't have to have a website to building a brand. You can start today. You don't. It doesn't have to be complex. So absolutely, absolutely agree with that.
1: Yeah, I think early on, the way it feels like, and uh, I forget who described it like this, but they say, when you start building your brand or start posting on social media for the first time, it's almost like screaming into an empty room. And you're just like, hi, here's the stuff. And then you're like, no one (laughs) (laughs) responds. It's small. Small tricks like using proper hashtags right, or tagging the yeah. author of an article that you're sharing to try to get that conversation going or even, sh- you know, tagging some of your peers to get that conversation started because those little things can help build some fire that leads to a bigger, yeah. you know, bigger engagement.
0: Yeah. Can I just jump in on the same question? One more thing I wanted to say.
1: Yeah, yeah go for
0: it. So, I think this is very relevant. As, and yesterday on the panel, so we talked about two types of brands: external brand, social brand, and internal brand. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this conversation, starting to tune out because you're like, I don't really want to be a social influencer and so on. That's okay because you can also build in a brand internally within your organization, especially if you're in like a large company, whether it's a consulting company or whether it's a company that just you know like as an enterprise or has a small data science division. All companies right now want to be data driven. Like you, you, either become data driven or you die. It's like uh, hundred years ago. About fifty percent of the U.S. was electrified. Right now, I can't. It, it was twenty five percent. like less than half. Right now, there's not a single business in the world I can think of, like including like a farm somewhere in the middle of nowhere that doesn't use electricity. Right, like probably zero point zero 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 one percent. Data AI are going to do the same thing. Like Andrew Nguyen has a comment. AI is the new electricity. It's going to happen the same way, but faster. Like 10, 20 years from now, all companies that are not using AI do, do, or data science due to competitive pressure are going to be edged out. So companies want to be data driven and you can build a brand internally especially if you like you love your organization you love what you're doing you can help by being like a champion of data science internally and bringing that acumen making data driven happen running workshops on Fridays during lunch or something like that or uh, sending out emails with data tips and things like that or hacks for excel and things like that you can be be known as the data guy in your organization not just in your d- division And that's also about building a brand. Again, selfless, selfish reasons, you know, you can always take that to your next organization or you can, you know, that it will influence your promotions or your salary level at the organization, how much you're contributing. On the other hand, selfless reason, you're going to help people learn about data. You're going to help your organization. You're going to spread data literacy in your organization. So you can build a brand internally and your question about writing small technical blogs that's also very relevant internally. So if you're working on some data set and that might be too sensitive data, or you might not get the permission to share it externally on LinkedIn or other social media, well, maybe you have a social media internally, maybe you have Slack, maybe you have some other tool where you can share internally. And as long as your manager agrees, which is much, much more likely to happen internally, uh, you can share it and share your success internally and you know, and share the uh, tricks and hacks to you or so writing that small technical blog, but posting it internally for your organization to see. That can be a great way to build your brand as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was Eric yesterday who mentioned something similar where he said, be seen as the helper in the organization. So people can actually go to you. If you are the data professional, be always willing to lend a helping hand. So then people can actually trust you and go to you. And then you're actually seen as the the person with the data brand in the company. Ready for the next one? Yeah. All right, we've got a lot coming in, man. All right, Anshuman. So, what would be your suggestion to build a brand as a senior professional for those who need to manage data science teams?
0: Ooh, wow, amazing! That's a really cool question. So, there's challenges that come in managing data science teams, and uh, challenges that are not like you normally don't experience as a manager. For instance. Like what um, you know, the cross domain expertise of data scientists. Like if if you're a centralized unit, first of all, you know, like there's two types of data science units. For instance, you might have a centralized unit of data science or like an independent unit of data science that is helping different divisions in the business, or you might have data scientists that are spread out across the organization. Already or that contrast, you can be like lessons learned from a decentralized data science team, lessons learned from a de- centralized data team, whatever it is for you. That's number one. Then you can also so these are the challenges coming from that. Then mm-hmm. um How do you maintain that cross-domain expertise? How do you do data science and operations and in finance and in product and in marketing? And how do you train your data scientists to use their cross-departmental knowledge? So, for instance, a manager in data science is very different to a manager in product or in uh, marketing or in any other area of the business, finance, because you're not specialized in one domain. Your skill set and your team skill set is very diverse, so you can definitely spread it out uh, into other domains. You can create pieces on... How do I help? Like pieces that will help manager non data science managers bring data science into their division. Like how do you use data science in finance, or how do you, as a finance manager, how do you collaborate with the data science division and ask them for help, or how do you phrase one of the biggest challenges for data science is like or, uh, understanding the phrasing of the problem, like what problem are we solve. Help other managers phrase their problems correctly, and again. Uh, Shiman, this is a great uh, opportunity for you to build a data science brand or data brand for yourself internally within the organization, helping other managers work with you better. At the end of the day, just keep in mind that all organizations are going to have to become data-driven. Therefore, all managers are going to need to support that. Therefore, they're going to need to learn how to do that. So I think yes. that's, that's the answer.
1: Absolutely. Great advice, Carol. Question for you from me. I'm just curious to know, do you use other social media platforms? I know... Most people, at least here, use LinkedIn, but do you use anything
0: else? That's a good question. Oh, I don't use LinkedIn that much. Like, what I found for myself is that, uh, well, to answer the questions right away, I use LinkedIn, I use Udemy for posting courses, I use our website, Super Data Science, for posting courses as well. And I use uh, like all these podcasting, like, like basically the Super Data Science podcast for uh, publishing podcasts. And what I found for myself is that, at the start, I started like sharing my opinions on things on LinkedIn. I've written a couple articles here and there. I've uh, like I've done different things, but I've realized along the way I was fortunate to discover what I actually enjoy, and I enjoy breaking, taking a complex topic, I don't know, like A3C or I don't, like what was it recently, deep, deep reinforcement learning or some NLP topic, and like diving it deep into it and mm-hmm. breaking it down at a very intuitive level and doing it in video format. So, and then I stuck to that. So you'll see that I don't have as many posts on LinkedIn, only like when we have a new podcast or when something exciting is going on. But we publish a lot of courses because I love doing that. So my advice would be, I experiment with a lot of stuff, whether it's writing blogs. Like for me, writing blog is rewarding at the end, but I always want to be like, in the words of Tim Urban from Wait, Bad, Why, I want to be the version of myself that has already written that blog in the past. <laughs> the process of writing that blog is extremely... Uh, Painstaking, it takes me weeks. Um, so but recording a video is much easier. So, experiment with mediums, and you can, you know, you can use YouTube, you can use YouTube to post videos, you can use uh, start a podcast, post audios, or use YouTube to post ideas, whatever else. There's lots of mediums. Don't get stuck, don't get hung up on the idea that you have to post uh, blogs, even if you don't like it. Because the bottom line is, if you're doing something that you're not enjoying for the purpose of building a brand, you're gonna fail, right? Like, yeah. you'll learn from the failure, hopefully. But the point is. If you want to be successful in building a brand, it has to be something that you ultimately enjoy. It doesn't feel like work that you could, you would, the, the test here, it comes from a book, The Big Leap, right? Zone of genius versus zone of expertise versus zone of, um, I forgot the other two. Basically is, would you pay money to be allowed to do that thing? If that's, if the answer is yes, then you love that doing that thing. If the answer is no, then, then you don't, you shouldn't like, maybe that's, maybe that's not your best medium, right? Everybody loves to share. Just find the way that you love to share
1: most. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many different ways that you can put content out there and build your brand. It could be text. Some people love writing blogs, right? They they don't get anxiety writing long articles. Some people love being on camera and some people would rather, I think, do anything else but get on camera. So you definitely don't have to feel the pressure to to do anything that you really, really hate doing. There's also document posts, there's short form posts, there are pictures. that
0: code sharing but, on the GitHub, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's so many different methods and mediums that you can experiment with and find what you like. Before we continue taking questions, I do want to give you a minute to talk about the Data Science Go virtual session that's coming up this weekend. So, if you want to just tell people where they can find more information, what is it? Is it okay. free? How do people sign up? And I'm actually gonna the you. prenup awesome. here
0: for you. Oh, wow, this looks so cool. Like, it's so yeah, cool. Right? All right, so this is Datasense Go. You can find it at datasensego.com slash virtual. It's free. It's absolutely free to attend. It's a conference happening this weekend, virtual conference. We've been putting a lot of planning into it and grab your tickets as fast as you can. It's absolutely free, but we have a limited number of seats because it's our first time doing it. So we want to make sure we do it right and that we can manage the size of the audience. So here you would have to actually apply and you know, pull in all of, all of your details and then we'll invite you. But even if you don't end up coming to conference, you get the recordings afterwards. We've got some really cool speakers. So Emily Robinson, day one is for beginners. Day two is for advanced practitioners. Day one, Emily Robinson is doing a talk about building your, building your career in data science. Then Michelle is doing a Tableau workshop. Adlan is doing a Python workshop on day two. And yes, on day two, we have John Cron doing a, doing an NLP case study for advanced data scientists. We have St- Stephen Welch doing a deep learning and computer vision workshop. Then we have Fabio Vasquez doing a data science pipelines workshop. We have guests uh, like the first uh, data scientist at Uber, Bradley Wojtek, uh, guests from Deloitte, Apple, Oracle. And our keynote speaker just confirmed this week. Super excited about this. Not on the website yet, but we will add uh, him soon. Is DJ Patel the ex? Oh, chief nice! Data.
1: Congratulations, man!
0: Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, we're awesome. super excited. Uh, ex chief data scientist of the US, who worked at the Obama administration. So the
1: White um, House. Yeah, yeah. I for my book. He's uh, a nice
0: guy. Yeah, he's amazing. He's so friendly and so just encouraging. So grab your tickets at datestinesghost.com slash virtual. And even if you, for some reason, won't be able to make it or uh, somehow don't get a ticket, you will get the recording. So it's definitely worth it.
1: I Absolutely. actually signed up as well and I put the link in the comments for, for people who just want to click the link and get their free awesome. pass. All right, back to questions. Thank you. So Maria's asking, Do you have advice specific to university grads just starting out in the data science world?
0: Great question. My advice from personal experience. So two types of advice. First one applicable, I think, to everybody. What matters in your data science career is not experience, is what you can do. Right. so mm-hmm. and you get the job done the end doesn't right. matter like you'll see jobs for data science that still it's very unclear to recruiting managers how to hire data scientists correctly so you'll see, requests for five years of experience or six. When I was applying for my job in the industry, they asked for six years of data science experience or it was six or four years of data science experience. And this was in, in 2014. It wasn't called data science. I think it was an insights analyst, which morphed into data scientists afterwards. But they asked for four or six years of experience in the field. Data science only existed for four years at the time. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> um, and so, but like I only had two, I only had two experience, years of experience, official formal experience at Deloitte. But I still went for the interview. I still showed them that I could get the job done. So don't be afraid to do that. Like if you think you can get the job done, still apply. I would yeah. say that. And in order to be able to get the job done, you have to like do practical exercises. So look uh, look for workshops or find a data set that you love. There's plenty of data set. I found a really cool one about Marvel and DC comics on Kaggle recently. You can analyze all of the characters in Marvel and DC and visualize. Fun. Yeah, like do some machine learning or whatever and things like that. Yeah, so you need to have that uh, hands-on experience and show like, you know, maybe post all that stuff. So when you, when you apply for the job, just send a link to your brand, whether it's LinkedIn mm-hmm. or wherever else, and people can look at all the things you've done. That's number one. But the other advice is for me, it's biased. It's not for everybody. But if you're considering getting into consulting, I highly recommend it because you get an exposure to lots of different industries. And before you start the career officially, let's say in banking or in finance or you know, healthcare or whatever other type of like company you choose, industry you want to go into, by joining a consulting firm, but also obviously like understanding like that you will get all these uh, different types of projects if that's the case then that'll be very beneficial to occur because you get got a feel for data science in lots of different areas. And that'll help you better understand where you want to end up, what kind of data, um, what kind of business domain knowledge you are most excited.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I I agree with everything you said. The only thing I'd add, I guess, is as a student, sometimes you might feel like you don't have much to add because you're just learning the stuff. But I think sharing your learning journey, basically documenting the process of you learning something or sharing, okay, I failed at this, but then I went to Stack Overflow and found this great answer. And just sharing that with people, I think is another great way to continue building that brand because as mentioned before, you kind of learn and grow together. So a question here from Andrew, it's addressed to me, but Carol, I want you to answer as well. So he says that you post a mix of personal content with business content, and he's asking if this is an intentional plan or what I enjoy. So just briefly, I want to tell people that I in no way intended to build any sort of brand. When, When I started posting on LinkedIn, it was truly just a way for me to learn data science, analytics, tableau, data visualization. And I would share that process with other people. Along the way, I did some cool things that are, in my opinion, were cool, like running marathons or running long distances. And I would share that as well. And I don't think I share much about my kids, but once in a while, I'll post something like schools have been closed, you know, for the rest of the year due to COVID. So I would share small personal insights or my guitar playing that I'm not very good at. And I think that makes you more authentic as a person. It was not intentional. I just thought it'd be fun to share with other people. But Kira, what are your thoughts? Do you uh, mix in any personal content or do you stay professional?
0: That's a great question. I, uh, By the way, I love your uh, personal content. It really helps lighten the mood, especially when you know somebody for, um, you know, that they post quality, cool things professionally, and then they post something personal. That's awesome. Like, it's refreshing. I, like you mentioned yesterday, your TikTok video that was so funny. <laughs> <That's how> fun. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what TikTok is, but it was like, wow, that was really what? cool. I think
1: it has more users than LinkedIn at this point.
0: That's okay. crazy. That's that's, right. that's like how fast technology is, right? Like, uh, rise and and yes. like that. <laughs> My view on this, I like to do that as well. I, for example, on the Super Data Sense podcast, I post once a week. I have a guest uh, interview that I post, which comes out on Wednesday. I think it's evening, uh, US time, and on Friday morning, I post a like a short. It should be short, five minute Friday episode, but sometimes they're like twenty minutes long about something that happened in my life, right? Like that. Oh, I'm reading this book called like Deep Work, and what he talks about, you know, like how to focused. Yeah. Or, or yeah, random stuff. Or like r- recently I've been discovering for myself that if I chunk my sleep into 90 minutes segments, right? Whether like, for example, if I want to sleep a full night's sleep, seven, it's actually seven and a half hours, not eight, because it's five segments. Then that works really well. Right now, I just, before this, like, this is absolutely like so cool. I was like, I'm tired. I didn't have full sleep. So I budgeted in a like one and a half hour's nap. Not one hour, not two hours, one and a half hours nap and maybe 20 minutes before to fall asleep. And mm-hmm. I set my alarm for like uh, 2, what is it, uh, 2.40, uh, 2.35, two, 2.40. I woke up at 2.35 myself. So if you chunk your sleep into nine minutes, that's a full sleep cycle. You will yeah. wake up naturally, whether it's one or if it's five of them. Uh, if you want to have a refreshing nap, a quick one, it has to be under 26 minutes, according to Calm.com, according to their app because otherwise you fall into the deep sleep and then you'll be worse to wake up. So it's either 26 minutes or less or mm-hmm. one and a half hour chunks. So that's a really cool discovery, right? Not related to data science, kind of data, but not really related to personal thing. But I want to yeah. share that with the world because it can help people sleep better and get energy.
1: Kirill, are you trying to say you were sleeping right before the session? So you? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a chance you would have overslept the session.
0: I had an alarm. I had like two alarms, but I woke up before. <laughs>
1: Amazing, perfect. There you go. Thanks. Um, all right. A lot of comments here about the virtual data science go session. People have signed up.
0: Thanks, Vipo, uh, be a a great people. great
1: keynote. Awesome. Uh, Satya is asking, what's the name of the conference again and how to sign up? So data science go virtual
0: and the- com yeah. slash virtual.
1: Right. And I added the link in the comments. I can add it again. Oh, and people actually sent the link. So thanks, people. Lena has signed up. A lot of people have signed up. Okay. Oh, Ravit is here. Ravit, hey, he said this is awesome. Thanks for joining awesome. us. Kevin said it's not letting him register. I guess something to take up after the session.
0: Just yes, yeah, send send an email to our support at if Okay. You know.
1: All right. Question from Adrian here. So what's your opinion about hackathons or similar competitions like CADGO? Competitions to start some challenging tasks or improve learning.
0: I love it. Do it. Go 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 for gold. And if you like, they're very. I I haven't done a Kaggle competition, but from what I've heard, uh, I've interviewed quite a few people who have. Uh, they're very challenging. Oftentimes, you have to be part of a team and things like that. So it's a great way to practice like teamwork and remote teamwork and things like that. But don't limit yourself to like I have to be part of like an official Kaggle competition. If you go on Kaggle.com, I think it's like data or data sets. You'll see they publish data sets from past competitions and other cool data sets. You can just take those and create your own challenge and solve it, or, or even solve the challenge they were solving it and then publish a blog post about that. So you don't it doesn't you don't have to wait for a real competition to happen and you know go through the weeks and stuff like that. You can just use their data set to explore. So either way, absolutely great idea.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you can also go a step further there in addition to blog posts um, to practice your presentation communication skills. You can actually record a short three to five minute video if it doesn't you know, freak you out completely and share that as well, because that allows you to really communicate what you've done, what your findings were. And I think solidifies your knowledge because if you're able to talk about it and teach it, chances are you know it better than write
0: it. And uh, it also helps potential employers or people want to interview, see you, or like, what's your voice like? What's your personality? What's your intonation? How excited are you about this stuff? And I recommend doing like a screencast of your screen where you're coding, plus a little video of your face in the bottom, uh, if you can, so that way they can build a personal connection. Imagine that, like you're applying for a job uh, and you've done this amazing thing and you, you have a blog post plus a video. You send that to a recruiter and it's exactly, and I think somebody was asking about product, data science or uh, consumer products. Like you yeah. want to get a job in consumer products, you've done a case study and you know, like you've recorded a video. And that's, you, instead of your CV, you send them your LinkedIn and you send them a link to that a uh, piece, which is like on Medium or on uh, LinkedIn, boom, right? Like they're like, this is exactly who we need. You know, a recommender systems and consumer products. He's done three Kaggle challenges. This one is like insane. He's got all the skills. Let's invite him to the interview. Like it's like like a beacon, like a beacon flashing out there showing recruiters. Oh, oh, That's the person that we need.
1: Absolutely. I think it even works well if you're not looking for a job. The reason I share this is because once I started posting about data science and all this, the number of interesting opportunities that came my way, and I'm not looking for a job or anything like that, but I was contacted by so many different companies just saying, hey, we could use somebody like you on our team. And I was just like wondering, why Why are they contacting me? And it was because I kept talking about the subject. And they basically thought, oh, wow, she's really passionate about this space. She's really excited. Here's some of the work she's doing. Even if you're not looking for work, it actually starts becoming a magnet that's attracting employers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, how much better has, is it to be in a situation where you're not hunting for all these jobs, sending out your CVs and like trying to apply. You just spend, instead of doing that in the next three or six, no, three months, you probably get a job if you do that for three months. I sent yes. out like 10,000 CVs. But instead of that, take six months and build a brand and get after six months, all these recruiters and jobs coming to you, say no. First, say no to everything that comes. Like, promise yourself for the next six months, I'm going to say no to every job opportunity that comes my might sound ridiculous right now, but they're going to start coming. They're going to flood your inbox. And after six months, you're going to have like a whole list of job opportunities and new ones coming in. And then you sit down and you pick the one that you want. 75% of people in the US hate their job. The end. Like, why do you want to be part of that 75% when you can spend a bit of extra time, build a brand and get to pick the job that you want? Like... It doesn't take that long and it doesn't take that much effort.
1: Yeah, I think especially if you can combine data science with the domain that you want to work in, I think that's just the I- ideal sweet spot. So Kirill, this is going to go in, I don't know which direction, but um, Heydan wants me to ask you about the story behind your net chain. And I think I'm to ask you, what's net know. chain like, and what's
0: one, one of them is a cross, which is uh, like a religious uh, chain. And this one is... a. Uh, this one's from Tony Robbins. I went to, oh. so I guess Haidam knows uh, about Tony Robbins. So I went to Tony Robbins in 2000, uh, Date with Destiny in 2014 for the first time. Totally loved the life-changing experience for me personally. And uh, yeah, since then, I've been to two Date with Destinies and two Business Masteries. Haven't been to Unleash the Power fin. Highly recommend to everybody if, once coronavirus is, uh, is over and events are back, uh, it's a great way to, you know, rewire your brain to be. We often get stuck in our blueprint that has been formed since our childhood, and we're like, you know, react to certain things. Like life is not about your thinking. Life, or what happens about around you. Life is like is an event. There's a reaction, or your blue goes through your blueprint in your head. It goes into like an emotion, it triggers an emotion, it triggers, an emotion triggers decision, right? If you, if you're, if the part of your brain has to do with emotions is damaged, you cannot make decisions. You can rationalize them, right? Logically. But there's studies I've read, I've read about one today that there's studies that prove that you cannot actually go and make the decision if the part of your brain that's responsible for emotion is damaged. So it's uh, event, blueprint, emotion, action. And so if you've got a blueprint that is none of your doing, you know, your childhood upbringing, the the surroundings that were around you, things that happen when you're five years old you that have impacted you in a fundamental way, you have a blueprint of reactions that is not serving you well, you can rewire yourself. I know there's nothing to do with data science, but it has a lot to do with psychology. And in careers, like in business, 80% of success is actually psychology, not the things that you do.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I've been meaning to go to a Tony Robbins event uh, for a couple of years now. It's just they tend to run on weekends and I think they run all day.
0: Yeah, like
1: six days night. sometimes,
0: six days, yeah, 12 hours. Like, it's crazy. I don't know how he does it. He gets on stage at 10 a.m. and he gets on stage at 1 a.m., like 12 plus hours, uh, the, these events run. I mean, you, you don't even get you don't even get lunch breaks. You don't get toilet breaks. It's wow. like it's just nonstop. And the energy level is crazy high. It's, it's a really fun event. Like even to go to just just for the fun of it, it's fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on my list. I've watched so many of his videos. So, okay, moving on. Thanks for that. No about so <laughs> <laughs> Ravit is uh, saying, since I come from the publishing industry and have closely worked with Adeline, I have an interesting question for you. Do you have a plan to write a book sooner than later? If yes, what type of tech do you plan to cover in the book?
0: Oh, okay. Ravit, well, thank you for the question. I've already written a book. It came out in January, 2018. It's called Confident Data Skills. It's like a purple book. Uh, the second edition is actually coming out in September, I believe, and it'll be updated. In a nutshell... It covers basically. It's a book where you can. I had this dream, or like I had this view, vision of writing a book. You can read about data science, which you can read on a train or on a plane. You don't need to code. Like at all of the books right now, you have to like code. But I want to help people understand data science without having to code. So the book is like is very intuitive data understanding of data science and practical applications. Like what is the, how is the naive Bayes algorithm. Uh, what is it? And for example, how it can be applied, how it can apply to breathalyzer tests. Why do policemen breathalyze you twice in, if you are suspected to maybe be intoxicated instead of just once? You know, what? What is, what is the error there and how does it get mitigated by doing it twice and things like that? So I think it's a book for anybody who wants to jump into data science in a very uh, friendly way or upskill their intuitive understanding of algorithms that you're already using. So there's the book in International, Co- Confident Data Skills, if you want to check it out.
1: Oh, I was just pulling it up on Amazon so I could show people your book. Oh, see.
0: thank you. Kate <laughs> has a few cool books as well, right? Oh, you have <laughs> one book so far?
1: Um, I have The Journey to Data Scientist and the Disruptors. That's the one where I read ah. the DJ Patel, but we've got another book coming out soon, "Mothers of Data Science." With I've
0: been looking forward to that one with Kristen, right?
1: Oh, yeah, and I also got a "Data Literacy for Kids" with Jordan Morrow. I keep yeah. forgetting about that one because it's for kids. Um, but this is the this is it, right? The purple book, confident. Yeah, yeah,
0: the purple book, confident data skills.
1: I like the the way you did the I with the slash. That's oh, cool. it's
0: all the designers. I I had the, <laughs> no my, not much say in that, but I'm I'm happy with how it came out. I've had comments from people. I don't want to, like, I want to be as modest as I can, but I've heard from people that they use it in UCSD to teach the data science class. And an interesting thing I've heard in the New York University, a professor uses his book to teach people how to build a business in the music industry. Because, oh. again, yeah, you have to use data science in all areas, and they don't want to get too technical with, you know, all the coding. These are business people building businesses in the music industry, out of all places where I would think the book would be used. But somebody's using it for their class there and, and people, uh, seem to like that it's not too invasive. And that's my area of expertise. To be fair, like I'm not going to go and explain mathematics and things like that. And even coding, we have a one who does that. I love the intuitive part. So I, I as, as we discussed before, I focus on doing what I love in, in pretty much any media mantra. But one thing, writing a book is really hard. It took me like one and a half years for every edition. <laughs> so <laughs> brace yourself if you try if you're planning on doing that.
1: Yes, absolutely. Here's a question for Peter. Uh, Piotr. Piotr. we're running a conversion optimization business and we use data extensively. How to balance writing for clients with case studies and results and more technical articles with R-code snippets?
0: Well, um, if you're running a business uh, from a business owner to a business owner, I would say to delegate that, right? So to hire a team of writers to write, especially about their case studies and results, I don't think, you know, you need to, you, you, in this case, you want to build a brand for your business rather than for yourself, right? Like, I'm not sure exactly what, where you want to go with this. If you want to build a brand for the business, I would hire those copywriters and write like the case studies and results. They can write that your technical team can write the R code snippets. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you want to build a brand, a brand for yourself, Just, I would try to understand what brand do I want to build, right? Like try not to sit on too too many chairs at the same time and see what you want to be known for. Like, what are you really passionate about? Is it the case studies and the application or do you love the code? And then just stick to that and let your business do the other thing or the other things. So I think that there's a way to find uh, the optimum here, but just, just, again, it might sound cliche, but follow your heart.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great advice, Kirill. So we've got a question here from Princey. What were the most important decisions or daily routines that helped you the most in making yourself a brand and data science? I love this question. Go
0: ahead. Great question. For me, at the start, at the very start, I just was sharing opinions on uh, my on, on the articles that came out. Uh, there is or was a platform called clout.com where you can find the, I don't know if they still on, where you can I find them. In, yeah, I don't
1: know. If like they,
0: they rank, like based on what people are tweeting and stuff like that, they rank, oh, what's the most popular article this week? So I would go there. I think I even got a subscription to it and find the most popular articles. I would read them. I would then use a tool called Hootsuite. There's plenty of other tools now. And then I would actually schedule in these Posts like on a Monday, this goes out on Tuesday, this and just my opinion, my opinion. So, I, I don't even have to post it every day. I can just schedule them for during the week and you know, like find the best times to post and things like that. And that helped me within three months of doing that. At some point, I realized, okay, Deloitte, I've had enough. Two years, amazing. <laughs> but I gotta move on. I don't know how, Kate, how you did uh, eight years. It's so Eight and, and a
1: half years. You gotta count the half, okay? Eight
0: and a half years. That's crazy. Like staying up until 10 p.m., sometimes 2 a.m., these consulting projects, are nuts. It's good. It's good fun. But I realized, okay, I'm done with this and started posting it. Within three, I think three months, I got uh, a recruiter contacting me, two banks contacting me. I wasn't even sharing any code. I was just sharing my opinions. And all these people, or or they were just checking my profile and I would uh, see who checked my profile and I would say, Hey, I noticed you checked my profile. Can I help you with anything? And one of those messages landed with a recruiter who eventually got me a job. And in within three three or so months, I ended up re- interviewing with two major banks in Australia. Not two of them. One of them was a the big four bank, like two big banks in Australia and a superannuation company where I ended up going, which is like a pension fund. Only three months. Right now, so that's the start. Right now, I would say the biggest, best habit that I've kept up for three years or almost four years now. Almost four years is a podcast. So recording a podcast every week, sometimes like three in a week, and then take a rest and so on. But publishing a podcast every single week, I don't think I've missed. I haven't missed a week in almost four years. So oh
1: wow! But do you I, always have a guest, or is it sometimes just you
0: on that? Um, it's been like on the Wednesday podcast. It's been just me, maybe like four times. Like every every new year, I post a new year resolution or like my my learnings from the past year. So only yeah. those, numbers. otherwise, yeah, I've had a guest every single time and it's, you know, it has to, you have to keep in shape to keep up with your habits and it uh, definitely pushes you. So great question. I, I highly recommend coming up with habits that work for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Here's a podcast for those who don't know, superdatascience.com slash podcast. So you have 373 episodes. That's
0: yeah. So 180 episodes. guests. Or so.
1: Oh, John Crone. I always yeah. love people that... um. I've met before. Very positive. Be
0: on the podcast as well. Yeah. DJ Patel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the person that will be coming, hopefully. Then,
1: <laughs> Rico, Adeline. Yep. There we go. Cool. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the daily habits is basically what you do on a daily basis, what is what adds up to be a, the big thing at the end, right? It's these tiny little habits. There's a, a book, I think, called Atomic Habits that the little things that you do every day basically have this crazy compounding effect, like interest that results in either success or or not, right? That's uh, awesome.
0: Yeah. What's, I, your habit huh? what's your habit for building a brand?
1: My habit, I think <clears throat> truly being interested in, let's say if I create a post and I ask a question, I am truly interested in the answers that I get back. And I think that's what's helped me the most because then I start engaging with the individuals that actually respond and building a conversation, getting a discussion, sometimes getting on a call or um, with with Kristen, the way it happened was for those who don't know, Kristen Kerr, she was um, one of the LinkedIn top voices and I'm writing a, a book with her. But we met just randomly on LinkedIn. I forgot who messaged who, but I ended up bringing her on my video podcast, which is the Humans of Data Science and then eventually she came over my house with her daughter. We, like she slept over. We were writing this book. We met up again. Um, I think it was like upstate New York somewhere where we had a, a sleepover party and like <laughs> real friendships, right? And it all started on LinkedIn. And it's, it's interesting to, to think of it that way. But my, my habit is just caring about the content that I'm putting out there and being myself. But I also just post a lot, like at least daily. I'm on the platform. I'm, I'm engaging, I'm posting. Um, you know, just talking to other people. And I think that's, that definitely helps a lot.
0: That's awesome.
1: All right. Let's see. You're you're good to continue, Kiro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So Sudip is asking, how can you keep up with building data science brands uh, along with your full-time job? Love that question.
0: We had that question yesterday, right? We might have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Kristen... Yeah, time,
1: yeah. Somebody asked about the time commitment. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Time commitment is quite high, I would say. But uh, you, you. I think Kristen made this comment about finding synergies. So if you're doing like a project at work that is exciting for you, hopefully that's, <laughs> that's what you do at work, yeah. then uh, talk to your manager about sharing that data set or desensitizing and then sharing that data set and a case study on LinkedIn or on a blog platform or so on. Uh, so then you like get the benefit of the two and then you can actually like if it was a long project, like several months, you can share it, break it up into several blog posts and then talk a little bit about, you know, make some opinions or maybe some some comments, a video, like, you can get a lot out of that. So uh, becoming a master at uh, synergizing uh, different content or, or getting extra value out of the things you already do will definitely go a long way for you.
1: Yeah, I think one thing that people might feel if they're spending time on social media, let's say, while they're working, and they'll feel guilty, like, oh, I shouldn't be spending time on social media. I think you need to just flip your thinking a little bit. And maybe block time could be during your lunch break, like 30 minutes. And being intentional with your use of social media can actually go a long way. Because then you know, you have blocked time for this, you're not going to feel guilty. Let's say it's before your work starts or it's during your lunch break or it's after work where you're putting in the time. Um, I think that can also help because I know it is difficult. I, I did this while I had a, a full-time job as well and it, it is difficult, uh, but it's doable, right? That's the good news. If you truly love it, it's absolutely doable.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, great advice. Chunk, chunk in your, uh, social media time for sure. Otherwise it can get really like seep into your life everywhere.
1: Yes, it is addictive. Um, Especially when, when things are going well, it actually gets addictive as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Question from Amna. How to start a data project if you have access to a website's data, how to go about formulating a data problem? What advice do you have there?
0: Uh, okay. I'm not quite sure what data, websites data means, but uh, let's say you have, well, I'm going to assume here, Google Analytics data. That's what the data you're talking about, that you have access to that data. I would read up, it sounds like a marketing problem. Sounds like okay, how many people are on a website? What's the bounce rate? What, uh, what's what's uh, what articles have been used a lot? what's the organic rate, what's the paid ads rate, and so on. I would look at so that's a very industry specific problem. I would look at what other data science problems have been solved in that industry. So look at case studies that have already been done and see which ones you can apply. I'm a big fan of not reinventing the wheel or bicycle, just look out for best practices and things that have been done, do them yourself. Like the best way to become successful is to learn from people who have already accomplished success and uh, you know, learning from other people's mistakes is a big useful habit to have or skill to have in life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. And guess who joined us?
0: Hey Ben. Ben, hey,
2: ben
1: is here from Data Robots. So he says hey, well, thanks for joining
0: Chief AI Evangelist, a best job ever. Love it.
1: What does that even mean? You know? <laughs> 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 we should get uh, Ben into the session. Um, <laughs> since Yeah.
0: Saw... Let's throw him in. If you, if we ben,
1: appreciate. if you're up for it, comment. Ben,
0: oh, switch your camera me. on, join in. we jump
1: into our last five minutes here. Um, all right, let's see. Question from Nitin. What is your opinion on combinations of data science and software engineering?
0: Very cool question. I was talking to a uh, Lawrence Moroni, who is the, uh, <laughs> I think he's an AI advocate for TensorFlow or some similar role to that, but basically he runs a, a YouTube.com slash TensorFlow channel. And his mission is to help 10% of the 30 million developers in the world to use artificial intelligence. So, um, there you go. So software, I guess software engineering is uh, <clears throat> similar to software development that AI is going to permeate. And and he actually shared a really cool, his vision on that is that artificial intelligence is going to become like another branch of software development, or in this case, software engineering, that you have web development, you have mobile development, you have uh, software development and things like that. Well, AI is going to be like an, another tool or another branch that you're going to need to use, or a lot of people are going to be using in software. So I recommend checking out artificial intelligence and also TensorFlow YouTube channel. Lawrence Burns is a great person to follow around that topic.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Question here from Hidam. Would be interested to know about an experience where you guys have hit a roadblock, professional or in general, and how did you overcome it?
0: Do you want to go first?
1: No, you go first. and <laughs> sure. uh,
0: Okay. Wow. So many roadblocks. Life is all about roadblocks uh, and falling and uh, getting up again and and doing it all over again. Okay, well, I guess with this coronavirus, the professional roadblock was that we couldn't run our D- sense Go event in uh, Berlin, which we were planning. So we've been running sense Go for three years. This is our fourth year. Uh, we, we were planning two this year, one in Berlin, one in Southern California in October, and Berlin was in May. We couldn't run the one in, in Berlin. And our team came up with the idea, or oh, let's do a virtual event. You know Why not? Instead of that, in addition to the California event, let's do a virtual event. And um, I guess the lesson from this is think outside the box, right? Like uh, force yourself to uh, whatever is comfortable, don't do what's comfortable. Do something else. And uh, life is short, right? Even if you make mistakes, you're going to have cool experiences. But if you do the same thing all over again, your life will just blend into this one long chain of doing the same thing. I would rather make mistakes, but do fun stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking of my own roadblock. I don't really see many roadblocks in life because I see them all as like challenges. Like, oh, let's tackle this one next. And I'm going to bring Ben in a minute. Yeah. So I'll just finish, uh, finish my thought here. So I graduated college with a finance degree in 2009 in New York. For those who might not be aware, this was during the financial crisis where all banks were at a hiring freeze. And my main goal, my main objective coming out of college was to get a job at a bank. So, zero chance of that happening, just like, you know, similar to, to people I think now during the pandemic where they have these big dreams and hopes, and there's like, okay, very slim chance, right? So, all the finance majors were changing into accounting or anything else, really. And at that point, I was, I remember thinking like, well, they're still going to need at least somebody in finance and that's going to be me, right? So that was (laughs) a challenge that I decided to take on. But the way I faced that was just networking. That was my answer to almost any problem is just getting to know the right people that could potentially help you. And that was how I got my first job. So that was my long story short, because I know we've got Ben sitting here. Hey, Ben. Hey, Hey,
0: what's up? How are you you going? Love you, Cap? Good. So we're yeah, talking. Yeah, I got my new
1: hat. Hat. Oh, you got a new hat. Look, can you take that off for a minute?
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I leave it on. <laughs> uh,
0: Here's a preview. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, well, I, again, why don't you I, answer the question? What's what's being a big roadblock in your life? I think fear. I think sometimes people get comfortable,
2: um, and that can stop you from leaving a job, interviewing for a promotion you're not qualified for. Um, yeah, I I think that can be a roadblocker
1: fear for you. I mean, didn't you live outside for like a couple months or something?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I still get scared. I was really scared. I
1: the story where he was on the news for living outside in a tent.
2: Yeah. Tell us, tell us. So I, when I went to college, I decided to live in the woods in the snow and (laughs) I didn't do it to get attention. I did it to save money, um, which is so stupid because my dad's a doctor and my mom's a lawyer. So it's like it's not like I'm I need to save money, but they made me pay for college. And so after doing it for three months, my friend said, you should tell the media. And I did. And the media went crazy for this weirdo living in the woods, going to college. So,
1: oh, my God. Okay, so a bunch of uh, by the way. For those who don't know Ben, Ben, do you want to do a very quick intro since you just joined the session? We'll spend another 10 yeah. minutes on if, if you guys are good.
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, if you can remove the question uh, so it's not blocking the video.
1: Oh, view. yeah, yeah, sure. There
2: you go. So my name is Ben Taylor. Uh, my background, I worked at Intel Micron Hedge Fund. I was the chief data scientist for a company called Higher View, and I did a startup uh, called Zef.ai, and we were recently acquired by Data Robots. So I am... Uh, the chief AI evangelist for
0: DataRobot right now. Mm. All right. Could I, the- I add? Could I add, uh, Kate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go so for it. Ben is my hero. Like when I was wow. uh, at, yeah, I read Ben's article once i Look it up. It's from 2000, I think, 15 or 14. Is this
1: the one about it getting 200K and like three steps to getting to zero to 100K. No,
0: it's. No. the, it, the it, one I read was data scientist type E that yeah. changed okay. my life. Speaking so, of like, Building a brand. Like, if you had not written that article, I like when I read that, I was so tempted to write at the bottom of the comments, like, I'm going to be data scientist type E. And (laughs) and then I'm like, I didn't write it because I wanted not to be too arrogant. And but I knew inside I'm going to be, I'm going to be this. And that article of the five steps, I was like, God, this is, i got—it's—it's so ignited me. Like you, I was dreaming of meeting you one day and like you had not built your brand and done that. I would have not been where I am now. Well, The,
2: the crazy thing about that article is people will still tweet at me telling me that it's toxic and what? that I should delete it from the internet. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Can you, can, you, can you link it in the comments on LinkedIn? Yeah, let me see if I. So, so a real quick backstory the article is essentially what type of data scientist should you hire for your first data scientist? It's okay. not controversial. It's just like, well, hire someone with, with some experience, some motivation, someone who's maybe willing to break through a few walls. And so, if I had written that article, no one would have really paid attention. And so, when writing an article, you think about the title. And if the title was how to hire your first data scientist, you know, maybe I'd have a thousand views or something, but instead I changed the title to, this is why your data scientist sucks. Yeah. And and that offended everyone because I don't know everyone. Like, I don't know. I don't know everyone and everyone took offense. But what I was trying to hit on is if I'm reading this as a business owner, and if I'm thinking these thoughts that my data scientist sucks. They probably do for the stage of the company that I'm in. And mm-hmm. I would put myself in that position. Like I've, I've definitely been that stage where I'm not delivering value. I'm tuition. I'm learning everything on the job. So anyway, they, thanks. Thanks, Carol. I'll, I'll, I'll go find it right now so I can link it in. Yeah, All right. no, thanks.
0: Thanks for uh, to you.
1: that. Gabrielle's asking, you know, will the video be available later? Yes. It's actually going to stay on LinkedIn You can also find it on YouTube. Uh, Story by Data is the name of the channel. Question here for Kirill while Ben looks for the article. What would be the best way to maximize attending the upcoming Data Science Go, that virtual event that's coming up this weekend?
0: Uh, Be truthful when you're filling in the form. There's a huge form to fill in. We want to get as much, uh, like we want to tailor the experience to everybody because like for instance, there's two days. One is for beginners. One is for advanced practitioners. If you're not an advanced practitioner, like there's no point in you going there because it will be like all over the head. And on the other hand, somebody else will get that seat, which is better for for everybody. Uh, so and but then on the other hand, you'll go to the beginner day and you will get to the advanced stage faster. At the mm-hmm. same time, there's a question about who do you want to network with, like because we'll have a networking one-on-ones. So you will get, like, click a button, you'll have three minutes to talk to a random person, and then boom, you get another random person. It's really fun. That's like,
1: really cool. I haven't seen any other conference do that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We thought, like, networking is one of the big things that people love about our events. So here you'll get that opportunity. So put in who you want to network with. Don't just check all the boxes. Do you want a mentor? Do you want a peer? Do you want a hiring manager to talk to? Like, just be absolutely... Uh, like, take the time to fill in that form, and then you'll have the best experience possible.
1: That's actually a really cool idea for LinkedIn Live, right? Just like take myself off screen and get give two people the opportunity to meet and talk to each other. Three minutes, Not then much. next, next, next speed baiting for data yeah. science.
2: Well, th- this is actually a super exciting topic because it's a huge topic. What is your elevator pitch? So, you've got three minutes to talk to someone. How can you tell your story in a way that they remember you? Because most of the time, we fail to tell a decent story. And so th- this is something everyone should be thinking about. What is your story? You've got two minutes. How can you connect emotionally to a new person? How
1: do yeah. we do it? And it seems like you have the answer. Go ahead. Go
2: ahead. I, I'm learning. I'm learning the answers. It's it's really interesting. Because I, I would say for people that get out there and speak, and you know, you guys, you develop emotional intelligence, and you've made mistakes. Like I've definitely given some terrible talks terrible interactions, you make mistakes, but these mistakes fall in line with uh, storytelling, communication. I'm a big storytelling nut, Kate. And so you're talking about storytelling with data. is something I'm not good at, but I'm fascinated by because it's make or break. Like you you fail or win. And if you can tell a story, you win.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I always listen to your stories. I know you post those 10-minute videos. I guess 10 minutes is the limit on LinkedIn unless you're doing a live stream. Is that why you...
2: Yeah, that's why... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> been <gone for>
1: hours. <laughs> so by the way so many people shared the link to your um to your article
2: that so I so so for anyone reading it this is not <laughs> personal i don't know you it was intentionally written to troll people so sometimes i like to poke people to make them do something so i've given talks before where someone will come up to me the next day and they'll say what you said really upset me it really offended me like a new student so i've, yeah. I've, call, I've called new students hello world candidates and that really offends them. They get really upset. But then they'll come back and talk to me after they've thought about it. And they've said, I appreciate what you said. But in the moment, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I want people to kind of take a status check. Like, mm-hmm. um, okay. I
0: want people to be successful. Yes. Did you share the article so we can see it, Kate?
1: Oh, yeah, you want me to?
0: that will be good nostalgic. Oh, man, this will be embarrassing. It's okay. been so
2: it's been so long. This article was written in 2014. This was written six years ago. Th- that's insane.
1: All right. Let's see. Share article. By the way, Lillian Pearson's here as well saying hello. Hey, Lillian. Thanks for joining us. Um, OK,
0: did you show the article?
1: Not yet. Hold on. It's uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm sharing the right window. Yeah, I tried to click the link and this is what happened. It gave- oh,
0: no, did they take it
2: down then.
1: Did you take it down?
2: No, no, it's still there.
1: Hold on.
0: Wait, what did it do?
1: It it says um it said, oops, that's all it did. Hold on, I, I got it. Okay, there it is.
0: I can see it. You can
1: there see this? A Type E data scientist.
0: Wow. All the <laughs> memories
2: coming back. <laughs> yeah, 2014. That you is you crazy. <laughs> no, but I, I would relate to that. I <laughs> I used to own a rock climbing store and I was big into outdoor everything. So yeah. it, it, it's fun reading this because of how much has changed. Because even mm. this, this little diagram here is I missing.
1: It. I would absolutely do nothing to help you.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because when you read, you, you have a voice, you have a brand, and everyone's brand is different. My brand, I think, became the most honest on, honest on Quora. Um, because Quora, you can be even more edgy, more controversial, Hmm. And last summer, I was number one in the world on Quora for AI. But as soon as I realized that they pay people for asking questions, the authenticity of the whole platform collapsed for me. Oh, wow. So I, I haven't done a single Quora post for a year. But, yeah, is, yeah. but you, you gotta, kind of get, you get this style in the article. This There's... Hi, I'm crazy. It, yeah. Well, it, so reality distortion, I think, is very a very powerful concept. With AI, sometimes the criticism is... You're constrained by white papers. You're constrained by incremental gains. And I think, it, I think there's a lot of value if you, if you think you can do something, you just do it. And that, this gets back to fear. So if you're building an AI product and you're venturing off into the unknown, that can be very scary because you don't have a white paper safety raft to protect you, to fall back on. And mm-hmm. so I think you kind of need. But this is where experience comes into play because we make a lot of mistakes. Oh, I, I got a lot of flack. I, there's a 30,000 hour reference in here that pissed a lot of people off. A lot of people are oh, really angry that
0: I would say something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, you have to be. You have to have like 30,000 hours to be an expert.
2: Well, I think the thing I was trying to hit on was these aren't new college grads. These are people that have been obsessed with data. And I think maybe the, the template in this article is talking about obsession. So if you're not playing with data on the weekend, early in the morning, you probably won't fill this role. And, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of pushback. People get angry. They say work-life balance. You know, I'm a parent, I have kids. I'm a parent too. I've got kids. You know, I we still we still go boating. we still do fun things, but data science is my obsession. I'm completely obsessed. So
0: anyway. completely. You don't oh, have bang. to be obsessed. To, you can just start out and eventually like get get more and more into it. So don't don't be frightened by be inspired. Like that article really inspired me. Find find the parts. I never had thirty thousand hours of experience but that other part inspired me that you have to be the person well you call it the smartest person in the room but like you have to think of yourself as like i want to answer all the questions i want to I want to be, you know, I want to take on the challenges. I'm not afraid to like risk it and be wrong. You know, like I think everybody gets their own thing. And uh, and if something pushes you away from an article, ignore that and look for what inspires you in it. Because ultimately, you're in it. <laughs> there we go, the Mohawk. You're ultimately in it to to grow it's a your
1: bit, man. <laughs> it's oh my God!
0: The smartest person in the
2: room. Because the recommendation is, you need to fight to be the dumbest person in the room, typically for your own development. So it, mm. at my first job, I felt like I was the smartest person in the room. And at the hedge fund, I felt like I was the dumbest person in the room. And I learned a lot more at the hedge fund.
1: Mm. Ben, you have got a question here from Princey asking, what's the quickest way to learn all you know about data science? Go,
2: teach Kay. right I, now. So I think you have to get uh, get some good books to go through because you you have a foundation that looks like Swiss cheese. You're going to have a lot of holes in it. So the quickest way to fill that foundation is go through book write in the book. I really like having a pen or a pencil. I mm-hmm. recommend destroy the book. So when you get through the book, you're not going to sell it to someone. It's actually to completely destroyed because you've highlighted it. You've maybe ripped it up. You've underlined stuff. I really love YouTube. If you're confused about something, because looking at like us, we're, you know, we've been around a, a little bit longer. When we went to school, if you're learning linear algebra or something that's a little heavy, too bad, too sad. Like you just need to learn it and it sucks. You can go find the same topic on YouTube and listen to like a five minute clip talking about random forests or something. It'll mm-hmm. make perfect sense because who, who the person that's giving the little overview on XGBoost or some type of deep learning, they're a good communicator. They're communicating at the right level. They're not like an academic way up here where you're drowning in math. So, so I would say it's easier for people to learn. The last thing I'll end with is excite yourself. So don't just go through these example problems because you need to. Find a problem that you're excited about. I think it's really important for people to do web scraping go go make your own data set, something that you can't wait for the weekend because you're going to find out if this works. And it probably won't work, but that's okay.
0: Just keep trying and you'll get something that does.
1: Yeah, thank, thanks for that.
0: Absolutely. I I, uh, I asked our team to scrape the, what's it called? Uh, Kickstarter, some Kickstarter data sets from 2019, like how the campaigns progress. And then you visualize how many new comments they get or whatever else. That was so exciting. So yeah, you can get a lot of data sets uh, that, you know, as long as you have fun. I think that's that's important.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know, Ben, yesterday you were kind of in the background when we did the panel um, or, or moderating yeah. session. So I know you you couldn't really add your own comments. So giving you an opportunity here to tell people how do you think they can go about building their own brand and data science?
2: Yeah, so I think um, you guys talked about some of these things. Be Have a regular cadence. So don't yeah. post a week and then wait for two weeks, and then post a few days in a row. I post every single day. I think it's really important. Sometimes people get stuck by what should I write. So if you guys pressure me, Ben, post something on LinkedIn right now. Oh, I I, I don't know what I would say. If you're learning, you're naturally going to be running into things and even just communicating. So talking to you guys, I might think of something like, oh, I never thought of that, or oh, I haven't thought of this. So if you're just authentic, and I really, you said this, Kate, that I really liked. Sometimes people try to reverse engineer the algorithms. Like, should I be posting at 5 a.m. Eastern time every day? Like, should I use the software to figure it out? And just be authentic, just be very active, be posting on a regular basis. And then the, the other thing, too, is there's not a certain type of influencer. Influencers are unique. And so, like, even us, we are so unique, the types of people that we engage with and interact with you have different audiences and so just be yourself don't try to be uh, yeah just be authentic
0: uh, did kristen say that as well that you got to be like don't try to have or eric said don't have a brand internally in your company and then another brand externally like the yeah. same you have Staying
1: to stay authentic and being consistent i think we all touched on that a little bit because when you're being yourself, you, you're you not going to be a different person at work and you're not going to be a different person online. Just be who you are. I, I think, was it Dr. Seuss or whoever said, uh, you're you're the best you that there could ever be in this everybody world?
0: Everybody else is taken.
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: no, is- I, I really like that. That's very true. But there's room for all types of personalities. Um, Absolutely.
1: Yes. Um, so we do have more, more questions. Maybe we'll take one more here from Hidam. So he's saying... Who's a top data scientist? So what are some lesser-known qualities that give somebody an edge over the rest? Who wants to take that?
0: Ben, please go ahead. Ben, do
1: it. i so, tired.
0: So top yeah. data scientists, I,
2: I think they're seasoned. Seasoned like a steak. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I don't think a top data scientist has to be someone who's really, really old or even around there, but they... They understand the reality of delivering AI into production. So uh, a top data scientist, they have AI projects that outlive them. They outlast them. It's not just a bunch of notebooks that live in an organization that don't get into production. A lot of big companies struggle to get AI into production. And I think for people that have done that, it's difficult. There's mistakes that are made. There's uh, like, for people listening, how many times have you built a model where you see the results and you say, 99% yes! Or you mm-hmm. see like UC score like oh my goodness I can't wait to tell this executive like this is going to change our business and and so the like there's gray on my beard every every gray hair is a mistake it's a it's a model that went bad and so the the recommendation I give people is if the results are too good to be true they are I'm sorry and that is right like ninety or ninety nine percent of the time so a good data scientist has experience breath is challenging like how do you get how do you know everything. How does anyone know everything in the AI space? And you can't. And I don't think you need to. What else do you guys have to add to that? How do you become? I think
1: the one thing I'd add is being a a team player and working closely with the experts, the domain experts or the technical experts, just making sure that you're not working in a silo, you're not doing it all by yourself and you're involving all the necessary stakeholders so you can actually
2: yeah. um, achieve your goal. But, yeah, if I can react to what you just said, I, I love I love what you just said because I think there's a lie in the data science community because we say, we're going to be really good at programming, we're going to be really good at math, and we're going to we, yeah. Yeah, ramp on domain expertise, but I've completely given up on that. And so for... But the funny thing is, who are the domain experts? So if I'm building a model like an in insurance... I'm going to say, let's get the underwriters in here. And are the underwriters data scientists? Or are they executives? No, but they have 10 years of experience working a process. And so data scientists, you're exactly right, Kate, that we need to partner with the SMEs or the subject matter experts. And a lot of times they're not, they're not super technical at all. They just work the process for 10 years. And they're going to bring up ideas that none of
0: us are qualified to bring up. Yeah, that's really That's a good point. I would also add soft skills. Uh, being able to ask those questions and formulate the question, but also being able to present uh, mm-hmm. once uh, the um, project is over, you got your insights. A lot of like this sense is not just about crunching numbers, it's uh, and then building visualizations, also communicating the insights to people who are going to be making the business decisions. And if you're not able to do that, oh. then that bridge is not uh, crossed or that gap's not crossed.
2: Yeah, you're I've made so many mistakes here. So y- you can't use any words that your mother doesn't know. So if you're <laughs> If you're talking to an executive, it's so easy to say, this is our confidence band and this is the AUC. And let me tell you why the AUC is so important. And, and what's happening is you're just throwing, you're so excited about the space you're in, you're trying to educate them. If you ever feel like you're educating someone, that's a huge problem because mm-hmm. they don't want to be educated. They're busy. And so my challenge is, how do you use language that they're familiar with? And in data science, we have so much jargon that they're not familiar with. They don't know it. And the temptation is to say it. So I've made so many mistakes where I'm talking about something very awkward interactions with. Uh, so the CEO of Hireview. I'm in a meeting, like other people are in this meeting and he stops me and he says, Ben, we know you're smart. That's why we hired you. You don't have to keep reminding us. And I think when he said that, I kind of thought, well, this is like, what, what did I do wrong? What, what's happening? But what I did wrong is there's jargon. Hmm. There's jargon coming out that's not tied to the ROI. It's not, it's not right for the audience.
0: So yeah. Yeah. Simple form is when people say SQL and SQL, like it's so natural for us to like, it's the same thing, but actually it's for people like what SQL SQL is like, what what are those? Like, how are they different? But it's the same thing.
1: Yeah. I actually recently ran a poll on LinkedIn because, you know, LinkedIn polls are new and exciting. And I asked the question of what's the most difficult thing that people thought was, um, What was the most difficult thing for data scientists to learn? And they had three options, domain knowledge, uh, soft skills, or technical skills. And interestingly, domain knowledge was like at 60% as most difficult, then soft skills at about 20 some percent. And then technical skills was essentially seen as the easiest thing to learn, where if you ask anyone outside of the space, they would say the technical skills, right? Mm -hmm. Because the programming, all the algorithms, and that's so difficult. So it was interesting to see that it probably had like two or 3000 uh, people vote on that. So not sure how statistically significant, but I just thought it was interesting to share. I know we've gone about a uh, half hour over of what we planned, Kirill. So I do want to wrap up here, but give both of you a chance to just briefly tell people anything else you want to tell them, where can they Go so to talk to you more or you know, continue the discussion.
0: Thank you. Okay, it was an honor being here and sharing. And uh, thanks, Ben, for jumping in. As I mentioned, you're my hero. So it's always great to chat with you. I would say the best place to connect right now, Data Science Go is coming up this weekend. So if you're watching now, head on over to slash virtual. Absolutely free. Join us there. That's, that's all I would like to add.
1: I'll send the links in the comments again. Ben, I know you dropped in here yeah. unexpectedly, but anything you want to say?
2: So maybe I'm biased here, but I'll be open with it. I really like Data Science Go. So I'm a, I've am spoken there three years in a row. I've been to lots of data science conferences. And I feel mm-hmm. like Data Science Go is the only conference that actually cares about people. Like it's the only conference that really cares about people and improving them. Because I think a lot of times when you go to other conferences, it's all about the speaker. Like the speaker is there to up their brand. The speaker is or there the to show, yeah, to show, or the vendor, like it's all about the vendors and speakers. They don't really care about the audience. Like who cares? The audience is there to buy stuff or to remind you that you're smart. And data science go is always focused on the people and the attendees. And so I, I just love that about it. so yeah, endorsement data science go definitely Thank go through it. Thanks. Conference. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn, Ben Taylor data on Twitter. I check Twitter once a month. <laughs>
1: Yeah, me too. That's so interesting. Thank you both for joining. I actually just want to tell people they're, they're saying, you know, they really liked the session. They enjoyed it. They're looking forward to more. I do have a session coming up tomorrow. This is actually going to be really interesting. I added a link there, but it's basically leading through a crisis where we're going to have, let's see, we have Cindy Hodson for ThoughtSpot. We've got Dean Stoker, the CEO of Altrix. we got Elisa Fink, the uh, professor, at University of Washington. She's the former uh, chief marketing officer of Tableau, and then we've got Todd Crossland from the healthcare side of Snowflake. And we're going to be basically talking about leading through the multiple crises that we're facing uh, globally and in the U.S. as well. So if you want to join that, it's also free, and you can sign up in the link that I just shared. All right. Well, that, thank you, everybody, for joining, and thank you guys for for participating in the session.
0: Yep. Thanks. Thanks, all. Kate, good all right. to see you guys. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Dedicated On Air podcast. We really hope you'll come back for more episodes and until then, stay dedicated.